It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. And that was a lie. It's actually raining right now. But hey, what what do we care, right? I mean, we're just talking about the future here. Someday it's not going to be raining. Hypothetically. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was actually thinking while looking out in the rain, I was thinking to myself, I want to pick up something to eat on the way home, but I don't want to go too far. And actually, uh, somehow I've forgotten everything that happens to be near us. I don't mm-hmm. remember a single restaurant that's within walking distance. If only I had some way of being able to look at the world around me and get information layered on top of what I could see so that I could actually make a decision to go someplace nearby and pick things up. That would be an awesome, uh, awesome reality. So like you look down the street and all these buildings pop up with little digital signs above them and say, yeah. hey, eat here. This is good. Right, right, right. Or the buildings are there, but the digital signs pop up. Yeah, yeah. Right. It lets me know like, hey, that building happens to have a, a bakery in it. And that building over there happens to have a 
Another bakery. To, we got a lot of bakeries near our office. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so we're talking, of course, about augmented reality. I, I then realized that <laughs> yeah, this is actually a thing and it's been around for a while. And But the neat thing about augmented reality is really the the promise that it has, the, the potential that it has to truly make our world a really interesting place beyond what it already is. But before we get into all of that, we got a lot more stuff we got to cover first. Yeah. So what is augmented reality? It's not like a, a muscle building supplement you take. No, something. no, it's not. <laughs> it's not some sort of you're not going to go find that over at the vitamin shoppy <laughs> shoppy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, the PPE. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um, no, uh, augmented reality. OK, so think about it like this. This is a, a cool way to imagine the kinds of environments we can inhabit with our brains so there is reality, right? That's, so that's, that's 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 you and me and the objects in front of us. As I, long as we're not secretly living in the matrix, or, right? The, the world as we perceive it to be. Yeah. Keeping in mind, of course, that our experience of the universe is limited somewhat by uh, the ability of our senses to pick up on things and interpret mm-hmm. them. And is all relatively individual in that, um, you know, two people looking at the same thing are not really looking at the same thing. They're, you know. Yeah, but we're not going to get too far but, into that. But then, right. Then, this is I think we can more all agree than the discussion you know, needs to that be. the three of us are sitting here in front of microphones that I think we can all agree with this and that there's a fourth person who is uh, uh in sitting in sinister silence in a existentially speaking i'm in tahiti right now so that, okay well but... i hear it's a magical place <laughs> okay well you know the funny thing is even if we are living in the matrix we've still basically we'd have to call this reality because it's our base level of experience right it's exactly the... even if we're in a computer simulation to us this is reality okay sure. and then on the other hand on the other end of say this scale you've the got spectrum of reality yeah, you've got uh Virtual reality. So that's you put on a helmet and suddenly you're moving around in a completely simulated environment that's right. made up out of computer data and has no bearing on the actual world. It's just supplied for your brain. You're in right. the holodeck or et cetera. Yeah, that right. kind of. Com- You've got you, you, you are able to still obey usually some sort of semblance of the laws of physics because that makes it easier for you to uh, adjust to a virtual reality. So in other words, when you move forward, you go forward. When you move backward, you go backward. I mean, you can always mess with right. that if you well, wanted to. Well, that's up to the hardware and the software. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but in order most for you will to be like that. In, in order for you to feel in a like you're in a really immersive environment, generally speaking, it has to obey certain rules consistently. Otherwise, it just ends up being this kind of mess. Yeah. Okay, but say you've got a spectrum with reality at one end uh-huh. and virtual reality on the other. What's in the middle? Well, you've got two different options, right? You've got well, actually, you you might say that you have more than two. Uh, we should Great call it's a full yes. spectrum. We right. should call this a field, and it's a field that, uh, in the field, is known as mixed reality. Right. So closer to virtual reality, for example, you have you might have mixed virtuality, uh, augmented virtuality. Yeah. yeah. So um, that way you would have like a virtual environment where you would also incorporate something or some things that were real objects or people. So here's an example. Let's say that uh, all of us end up making World of Warcraft characters and we all log on. But we've also modified World of Warcraft so that instead of the head of the cartoonish character, it's actually showing a live feed of a webcam that's facing us. So each of our characters has our respective heads on 
that character. Okay. And in real time. So when you see my character walking around, it's a video image of my head on top of this character's body and the video image is in real time. It's what I'm actually doing. So if I'm looking off to the side because my dog is making noise, my character is actually looking off to the side. Mm-hmm. That would be this mixed reality here, this actual uh, augmented virtuality in that we have brought some of reality into a virtual environment. Yeah, the virtual environment is dominant, but there's something from the physical world in it. Uh, yes. Right. Uh, Joe, uh, you and I were talking about this last week with um, or or in in a recent podcast at any rate um, <laughs> the one about virtual reality uh, right right uh, some some futuristic uh virtual reality reality game starting to incorporate you know like maybe like a an, an actual ball that you could incorporate into yeah a virtual yeah. world or even yeah. say when we talked about project holodeck right y- you might in some ways and w- what that was was it was sort of a free play space that mm, would use right. uh cameras and virtual reality headsets and controllers to put your real body um, and track your real movements and put you sort of in a virtual environment as, as you see it through your headset, but you're really moving around in a you know say ten foot by ten foot kind of space. Right. right. You could pr- you could say that's virtual reality, but you might more accurately say that's augmented virtuality because it's a mostly virtual environment, but it's sort of putting your real physical movements in there. That, right. That's the data. It's so you with. could actually even have physical objects within that that uh, room that you are in that are represented within the virtual world as some sort of virtual right. object. Yeah. Some, some kind of skin over it, sure. Um, but at the toward the other end of the spectrum, you have something that's closer to real reality, and that's augmented reality. And this is that idea of overlaying reality with some sort of either graphics or digital interface, something where we're letting the digital world marry with the physical world. Some kind of information. Yeah, so how how does this work um, in, in practice? Well, imagine just for one example, you hold up your smartphone, yeah, and you aim it around at the world, and the things you aim it at show up on the screen, but they don't just show up on the screen as a photograph view. Mm-hmm. They show up also annotated with data. Right. And that data comes from the software on your phone. And, uh, or, or at least it, that data may even come from some other source, but it's fed through via, right. yeah. via signals and your phone is interpreting that. Uh, yeah, it actually means that it could be an extremely powerful tool. And we've already seen lots of different applications of augmented reality. I thought I'd go a little bit into kind of the, uh, the, well, first, before we get into the history of it, I think it might be fun to uh, actually talk about the way science fiction has depicted augmented reality. Uh, the version I always think of, um, I think of Minority Report, that's a big yeah. one, yeah. where you've got Man, these, they do everything right, don't they? Yeah, they, they sure do. That's, that's like do. the best you know. movie for realistic sci-fi. Yeah, I personally love how, how they are incredibly consistent with, uh, applying the rules of logic of their universe. Uh, despite lots of plot holes, it's, it's yeah. amazing how consistent say, they are. If only it could have been a better movie. If um, only, yeah. if only they actually could have been consistent with their rules. Oh um, yeah, I'm not saying the pre-crime is necessarily right. oh, uh, well. feasible, but all of the sort of consumer technology in the movie is pretty smart. Pretty clever. I think. Well, well envisioned. And a, and a lot of the stuff they they created was, you know, they were looking at things that were coming out of MIT at the time and saying, mm-hmm. well, let's extend this. And imagine what this would look like in 20 more years. So let's go from the prototype version of this technology and say, what would it be like as a mature technology? And that's kind of where they got their start. Okay, so what does their augmented reality well, look like? It's it's sort of the same kind of stuff we're talking about here, where you get that overlay. In this case, it's also uh, tied to your identity. 
So when you are walking around the world, it can, the world itself can react to you, kind of like our Internet of Things discussion, but in a way where it's giving you information about your environment that's tailored not just to the environment, but to your personal preferences and needs. Now, there are other examples. Uh, I just started watching a show that's been on the air for a while, Continuum. And in that, you have a character who is from the future who gets sent back to present day, what is our present day. And she has these essentially cameras for eyes. And she's able to have uh, augmented reality features where she can look at someone. And in her time, she can look at someone and use facial recognition software to map that person to a specific identity and determine whether or not that person's wanted for a crime because uh-huh. she plays a police officer. So that's another example of sci-fi. Um, one would be in the Terminator movies. That's yeah. just what I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. Well, don't let me steal your thunder. Oh, no, no, no. no that's a, We can share the Terminator thunder. Um, well, <laughs> the, the moment I thought of was when those moments when you see the Terminator's vision. Right. Yeah. Uh, he he walks into the bar and he's sizing up the different bikers and uh-huh. he finally sees the one biker where he identifies the different body parts for a matching size so he can steal his clothes. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, but that augmented reality could really help you quickly identify whose clothes you need to steal to match your size appropriately. Right. Uh, sadly enough, I have not seen any apps that have that specific application, but I'm sure it's, it's someone's out early. there. It's still early, I think, you know. But uh, I wanted to talk a bit, a little, <laughs> you know, now that we've kind of got, like, the here's the science fiction thing, and that's really, even yeah. the science fiction approach is just scratching the surface of what augmented reality could possibly do. Right, but where did this come from? Well, you know, you have to look at a couple of different things before you get to where we are with augmented reality. Some some developments that were important that kind of set the foundation. So, for example, one of the important developments was just the development of uh, 3D films and 3D technology, this ability to uh, have some sort of display that could give you the illusion of depth that not only did the image that is projected on a flat surface have depth, but it could also come toward you. Mm-hmm. Because most of the uh, implementations of augmented reality we have have are either uh, flat text that's displayed on a screen like a smartphone or a tablet, or they are something that's displayed on uh, a, a screen that has some sort of 3D capability like the Nintendo 3DS, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, or it's maybe for some sort of augmented reality glasses. And that owes a lot to those early 3D movies. Uh, on top of that, you've got something that happened back in 1957 when Morton Hellick said, you know, there's got to be a way to make a more immersive experience to watching a film besides just, you know, sitting there passively. Uh-huh. What, what if I created something called the Sensorama? Yeah, yeah. We were talking about that in that virtual yeah, reality episode. Right, with yeah. all the air and the vibration uh-huh. and the, the, so. Well, I think we've visited the Sensorama many times on this times. show now. And we should. Because we should it's really the root of all modern technology. <laughs> really, yeah. You can trace all- back to that. Weirdly enough, automated cars straight from the Sensorama. Uh, 1966 <laughs> was when Professor Ivan Sutherland, I'm sure you spoke of him, he was the one yep. who created the head-mounted displays, yep. right? So then you get up to, uh, from that early work, that's what kind of laid the technical groundwork for augmented reality, but real augmented reality, as, as we understand it today, kind of dates back to the early 1990s. That's when a guy named Tom Cottle had come up with a design for uh, Boeing. He was oh, actually. Oh, I was reading about that. Yeah, yeah. it was for um for the the engineers to yeah. help them put together wiring. Yeah. Well, it was really meant for manufacturers and uh, machinists to be able to build the stuff that Boeing needed, but to be able to see where cables were going to go. So the cables had not been laid in yet. They're, this is just the manufacturing phase where they're actually making the metal components for a Boeing aircraft, for example. 
But by putting on these headsets, they could take a look at the uh, the stuff that was in process of being manufactured and see where the cables were going to go to make sure that they were allowing enough clearance and creating the right type of framework to support the cables so that the, the, the finished product would actually work the way it was supposed to. And it meant that they didn't have to constantly consult a manual or call up uh, one of the engineers who had designed the thing and say, all right, you know, I'm trying to build this thing due to your specifications, but I can't see where it's going to go because it's not there yet. So this was kind of a way of getting around that. And he has been said to essentially have coined the term augmented reality. Uh, in 1992, L.B. Rosenberg worked on a user-directed system for the United States Air Force called Virtual Fixtures that was also an early example of augmented reality. And a trio named Blair McIntyre, Stephen Finer, and Dory Seligman wrote a paper about a head-mounted display and a program that you could use when you were working with a particular type of printer. Uh, they called it Karma, which was Knowledge-Based Augmented Reality for Maintenance Assistance. The idea being that, all right, you know, these printers are starting to get a little complicated and sometimes your average office worker doesn't know how to load the paper incorrectly or clear a paper jam. And by using this sort of head-mounted display and looking at the printer itself, they could be guided to using this without having to consult a manual, which does not necessarily lend itself to a an easy translation of actual actionable things you can do. You know? uh, yeah, sure. Most, like, most of the manuals that I've seen are... are Really cryptic. I mean, yeah, just. I mean, it, well, it Did may- they have an augmented reality guide on how to smash your printer to pieces. No, there was no Office Space app at that point. But I, I think it. You know, they probably would at one point say, "Have you tried turning it off and on again?" Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> really, if they could overlay a video of the computer just just exploding spontaneously, <laughs> that would I would buy digital that knives going yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I, I think we see how the uh, technophobes <laughs> in the room feel about this. No, the <laughs> augmented reality really got a big boost. Like in these early 90s, it was pretty much the domain of research facilities, uh, some universities. No one outside of those worlds really had access to any of this or really cared about it because this was the same time when the initial virtual reality revolution was taking place and then kind of collapsed in on itself. Mm-hmm. Really you guys hard. Talked yeah. about that. Yeah. So this this uh also affected augmented reality because it's a related field. Well, in the late 1990s, uh, Hirokazu Kato produced a, an AR toolkit called AR Toolkit, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> that included a tracking system. It included source code that people could use and a, and camera calibration code that would allow people to use headsets and various operating systems to create an augmented reality system that had real-time tracking in, uh, incorporated in it which really is what made it truly useful. And not to be too obvious, but just FYI, when we say AR, that stands for augmented, augmented reality. reality. It's like yes. VR. Yep. Yes. So that's kind of the, the lowdown on the, the basic um, way that, or you know, how augmented reality developed. Since those late 1990s, a lot of different uh, applications came out. But again, the really early ones were pretty much... Uh, restricted to engineering schools, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It wasn't until the revolution of the smartphone right. that we really started seeing them come out. Yeah, I was about to say that that since um since you know 
head-mounted displays are still very expensive and very temperamental. Um, yeah. we, we don't really have a good, cheap product like that out yet. We're waiting on the Oculus Rift. But, but even um, then, Oculus Rift, you can't see through it. Mm-hmm. It's a monitor. Right, so right. Would, so you unless you had a, a camera, um, yeah. live live video feed, right. then that would be the only way In which case, you it. could argue whether that was augmented reality or more virtual reality because you're seeing an actual camera feed as opposed to uh, an optical view, like, right. a, like a lens mm-hmm. that's clear. Um, sure, sure. Or I guess something like Google Glass or, um, I mean, there's, there's a couple other, uh, yeah. consumer products out there. And but... most of these are very limited, like you were saying. They, uh-huh. they, they don't really have a lot of augmented reality, uh, um, functionality yet. Sure. The thing about them is that obviously their main feature application, I think, is augmented reality. I think so, yeah. More uh-huh. than anything else. It would be hard oh, to absolutely. argue against that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, you know, it, until we come up with that kind of thing, we've got smartwatches and smartphones mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, v- video applications like the, um, like that game Eye of Judgment that came out for the PS3 back in 2007. Right. Um, which was a sort of, um, augmented reality Magic the Gathering. It was made by Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> and so you had a gaming mat and you had collectible cards and, uh, and you played on this mat and you pointed the, the, uh, PlayStation Eye at it. And yep. up on the video screen, it, you know, your little characters would come out of the cards and move around and do wacky stuff. See, now this, this always, <laughs> what this reminds me of, and it is kind of another example of augmented reality that comes from science fiction, is the Star Wars hollow chess game. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very much kind of augmented sure. reality because the chess pieces themselves moved around on a physical board. Mm-hmm. There was an actual board there. But the the pieces were virtual representations. Now, in that case, we're also talking about uh, holograms. And if you really want to hear us talk about holograms, just go back like. 40 episodes or something. Yeah. So uh, there's still all kinds of questions about what we will eventually be able to do in terms of holographic projection. Sure. But oh, uh, sure. one thing we do know we can certainly do is mess with screens. Yeah. You know, take a, a photo of the world or a lens view of the world and add overlay data on a screen that's flat in front of your eyes. Yes. Absolutely. And and also artists and, and museums have been really interested in this for uh, for several years now, back in 2005, there was an art installation in Mexico City where um, uh, kids could put on these kind of simple smocks or little pieces of headgear and stand in front of a uh, video-assisted mirror, and and it would overlay images of elaborate costumes depending on which little clothing markers they had put on. Oh, that's stuff cool. like that, and and you know, and and also, of course, museums have stuff like uh, self-guided audio tours that you can you know pick up a little MP3 player and take it around with you. But a lot of them are experimenting with different ways to. To, to, to give people apps on their smartphones or or eventually on something like Google Glass that they can walk around and and find out more information about all the cool stuff there. See, that would be great. I would love to be able to look at a piece of art and not have to uh, hunt down the, the accompanying little um, plaque that's next to it. If I could, <laughs> if I could stand back and, and admire the art and then also have the information come up and then go away whenever I, I wanted it to to you know, not impede my view, that would be amazing. Well, we we will talk more about the potential future applications of augmented reality towards the end. But one thing that's even cooler in that view is that data could be dynamic in that sense. Like, say you're looking at a painting in a museum. Mm -hmm. Um, It couldn't, it it could just pop up with information about the painting overlaid onto your screen, but it could also do more. It could point out specific parts of the painting sure and highlight them and say like well here's where the artist uh used this type of shading or this type of technique or mm-hmm. this is this is a great example people have questions about what this figure in the back represents and that's something that a plaque on the side certainly couldn't do right i would love to have it well we'll go 
I'll say what I would love augmented reality to do at the end. Let's talk a little bit some of the, about the uh, earlier apps as well. Like uh, one that I always think about is Yelp. And the reason I think of Yelp is they have that little uh, that little program where you can actually hold your smartphone up and it looks takes information from the GPS, the compass, the camera, and then allows you to do exactly what I was saying at the top of the show, where you want to try and find a specific type of business. For me, it's always restaurants. It's the only <laughs> thing I ever use it for. Mm-hmm. But I might be someplace that I, I'm not familiar with, and I'll pull that up, and then I'll do like a full 360-degree turn to see what restaurants happen to be nearby, and I can even take a look at their uh, ratings based upon Yelp's database. But so, if you like really quickly need uh, you know, interior car cleaning and where's the nearest dump yeah they're still just just for example (laughs) no but but the reason why i even bring it up is that it's one of the earliest smartphone apps to come out that had this sort of augmented reality uh feature built into it and this again is still just barely scratching the surface but it was one of those things that that got people really excited at the early days of the smartphone revolution i mean keep in mind that at least in the united states it wasn't until we had the iPhone come out in 2007 that consumers really began to connect with smartphones. They just weren't as interested. Otherwise, the smartphone world in the United States was pretty much limited to executives, mm-hmm. people who had their various BlackBerry phones. And it wasn't until the iPhone came out that your average consumers really got excited about it. Had a camera it. in their phone that could handle, right? Right, yeah, and a processor and a that processor, could handle it. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. so a lot of the... Uh in in my view, at least, and and maybe y'all can correct me, it seems like a lot of what's big out there in terms of augmented reality these days is geolocation based. Sure, it's it's based on you know, well, we've got your GPS location here, and we're sort of checking you in at this like business establishment or landmark or whatever it is, and we have some data associated with that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that because, uh, uh, but, but that's because of the smartphone. I mean, it, it works well with the smartphone because the smartphone's with you and it can identify where your location is. I mean, it assumes that you are where wherever your smartphone happens to be. Another one that I guess is probably kind of similar to the Yelp model, uh, but a little more general, I think, is like Wikitude. Yeah, the, the the mobile browser that is meant to be a, sort of a geolocation browser. Most of the information in there is user generated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, an interesting idea. It's the you know you can hold it up and get information about the world around you. It's kind of like what you would think of with the ultimate augmented reality. Like a uh, living encyclopedia, kind yeah. Of thing. But it's it's limited. It's not by, all there yet. Yeah, sure. no. It's 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 the the uh, the potential is amazing, but the actual execution right now is limited, just mainly because of the user base. It's a you know, limited user base. Not that the user base is bad; there just aren't enough of them. Uh, sure, sure. And there there have been around 2009 and 2010 a couple again museums. I get really excited about these. Um, started linking up their photo archives with like GPS smartphone augmented reality apps so that you can be walking down a street and uh, and it will pull up oh this is what this building looked like uh, a century ago or two centuries ago or mm-hmm. oh this this guy lived here this is this painting that he did um kind of kind of stuff um and and these days i think that in combination with all of this really awesome uh GPS technology that they're working with they're also kind of going backwards and starting to Starting to work at things on on a more micro level of you know getting your your camera and your software to recognize a a sign or a person or something like that that cannot be geologged. Gotcha. Yeah. So in other words, it's it's not tied down to a location. It's more tied to specific objects or people. So for example, 
if I were to have uh, an augmented reality application on my phone and I'm shopping for uh, houses, I might be able to hold it up and, and get a, the information on the house. Or if I'm shopping for some sort of uh, specific gift for uh, my wife and I've got a whole list of things, I can, might be able to hold it up in a store and start seeing locations for things. Or I might even be shopping for, I don't know, a car. <laughs> and I hold it up and point it at a car and it tells me all about the car. It gives me all the features. It gives me maybe even what the, the, uh, the, the uh, suggested price is for it. Mm-hmm. Th- these are all different, just simple applications of augmented reality. I think one of my favorite uh, existing augmented reality apps I've seen was called Google Sky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a cool one where you essentially just hold your mobile device up to the night sky and it will show you, or I guess it doesn't have to be at night, uh, you just hold it up to the sky and it will show you the overlay of constellations oh, that wow. you can yeah, get that the in astronomical information yeah. of what you're looking at. Which huh. in Atlanta could be like, this is where the stars would be if you could, <laughs> if you see, could see them. See them. Yeah. yeah, due to all that light pollution that's out there. <laughs> uh, of course, anyone living in a city knows what we're talking about here. But uh, yeah, exactly. Like it could be one of those things where if you go out to a nice dark area and you want to look at the stars, this could actually help you envision those constellations you've always heard about but perhaps did not quite you know yeah, make them out when I you looked at the stars. I guess that looks like a scorpion. Yeah, I don't it's know. Like, that, that, <laughs> it's like three dots. And, right. Yeah. And, and this kind of stuff sounds sounds easy, but when you really get into the nitty gritty of, of combining all of this different data in real time um, and, and spitting out something understandable, it, it gets it gets really tricky. You know, if you ask a camera to recognize a car and not the fact that you're reflected in the car, that's Sure. That's yeah. tricky. Yeah, and being able to uh, differentiate between things, you know, cars that might have fairly subtle differences in the various models. So it would be able to even pick out what year that particular car model was. I mean, sometimes, you know, one model to another, the changes might be pretty minor and things that, you, you know, for the average person looking at it wouldn't pick up on. Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe a gearhead would take one look and say, no, I can tell you totally That's what That's obviously year. that other right. thing. But for those right. of us who who lack that Sherlock Holmes-esque <laughs> ability to stare at a car and know everything about it, it would be very useful. Um, um, another cool thing, I don't know if you all know about uh, GeoGoggle. You this, heard about this, this one's one that I was not familiar with. No, no. Yeah, well, I mean, it's cool all the different things – you can do with your environment uh, just based on ge- geographical information. So say you want to uh, estimate the distance between you and a distant object. Augmented reality could do that. Which would be amazing for people like me who are notoriously bad at estimating that kind of thing. I mean, if I look at something that's 50 feet away, to me, it might as well be either five feet in front of me or a hundred miles yeah. away because I just can't. You couldn't guess the number. I'm not. No, I can't. I, but I, maybe I have if no you ability. practiced, you could. You See, know? and that's the thing is that if I had that where I'm like. I could start to train my mind to recognize this. I, I tend to be very bad with spatial relationship type things, mm-hmm. not special relationships. I'm awesome at those, <laughs> but spatial <laughs> relationships. I have, I, it's always been one of those things that for me is a little tricky. So not to the point where, you know, there's a pencil across the room and I keep reaching for it as if it's right in front of me, but yeah. you know, I, I'm not able to estimate very effectively. So now, that'd be useful. Once we master artificial intelligence though, they could also help you estimate the distance in your 
your special relationship. That would well, I mean, I'm like shoulder to shoulder with all yeah. my special relationships. Uh, one obviously gonna, we're talking about emotional distance, Jonathan. <laughs> don't be so obtuse. Look, I, I don't I'm think not I the want cold one in this augmented room. All right, so. dating sim. This sounds like a very bad future. Well, no, hey. we're going to get into augmented dating in a second. Uh, well, what? Let's. I wanted, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the Nintendo 3DS. Oh I, yeah, I mentioned yeah. Right, that briefly. Sure. So Nintendo 3DS, you know, I got to take one of those apart as soon as they came out, and then I put uh, pictures of it all over the internet of how it was just a bunch of pieces, and every all the gamers got upset. It was a lovely day, but no, uh, it was fun because I got to play with it first. Obviously, I played a couple of games. <laughs> that's and, good. That's good. Yeah. So, anyways, a you know handheld mobile gaming device. It has a 3D. Uh, display that you can look at without the use of glasses. And you could also use these cards that came with the game to the game uh, set to do some augmented reality type activities. There weren't actual games. It was more like just a play I mean, space. Yeah, you would play some you would play some games on the device and then unlock stuff with your little character. But basically, you would have a, a card that would have a very simple symbol and color on it. Put it on the table Hold your uh, your Nintendo 3DS so that the 3D camera is pointed at that card, and you're looking at the card through the screen. So right. it's it's obviously the card, and it's on whatever surface you put it on. But it's a, it's the video stream that you're looking at, and then a little 3D virtual character would pop up on the card and wander around or do whatever, depending upon whatever character it was. Which was really neat. You got to, you know, it looked as if you had Mario walking around on your table, Mm -hmm. playing around, you know, in an actual real environment. Now, granted, if you looked anywhere other than that screen, you would see there's no Mario there. It's not projecting Mario. There's no hologram. It's just on the screen. But it was a really cool effect. And it's something that I have seen in other applications. Uh, here in Atlanta, we are very close to the campus of Georgia Tech. Right. And there was a point where the entire tech stuff, uh, how stuff works and, and related families all went down to Georgia Tech to go and sit in on a uh, augmented reality uh, uh, workshop. It was a, a a classroom where the various students had been working on augmented reality um, applications, and I got to go through all of this and see what the different teams were working on and get to play with it myself. And it was really neat. They were doing a lot of the same stuff that you were talking about earlier, Lauren, where they would have like a, a map that would be laid out, and then you would hold a smartphone that was loaded with a specific app and you would aim it at the map and then you would see the representation of your characters on that map. And then you could control the characters through the, through the phone and your uh, you could see them interact with the other characters that were mm-hmm. represented by the other players. So obviously the first thing that all the cool kids were thinking was, this is going to make my Saturday afternoon Dungeons and Dragons session so much more awesome. Because <laughs> uh-huh. we'll all just be sitting around and seeing that, you know, Throngar the Barbarian is truly kicking some kobold butt. Um, the non-cool kids totally didn't get it and went out smoking. They, so, they play as Paladins. Yeah, yeah they're Paladins. Yeah. They're Rangers. 
Yeah. But uh anyway, the uh yeah, so it was but it was an interesting experience to actually see these oh, Wait a minute. Is it Paladin? It is Paladin. It's totally Paladin. It's not I've been Paladin. saying it wrong my whole life. It is Paladin. You didn't know I thought you were making a joke. Paladin's lamp. <laughs> no. Okay. Sorry. Well, hey, you know we've all learned something today and it's Education. not even over yet. Huzzah. But yeah, it was really neat seeing these these projects that various students were working on with various uh, approaches to augmented reality. I've also seen it used in marketing. Uh, I go to a lot of big events like CES and E3, and these are places where people will often trot out this stuff and and kind of show off the potential for it. It's not, again, it's not something that you often see in practice because it re- usually requires that your audience have a specific type of app installed on their mobile device, right? right. It's not like it's a native feature that's supported by all smartphones. So for you to be a marketing person and to try and uh, convince your, you know, your potent, your, your customers, customers to download an app so that when they hold it up to an advertisement, they get this little augmented reality experience. That's a big stretch, but it did show off some of the really kind of fun ways that you could create an augmented reality experience. It's just one that I questioned the, the, uh, practicality on because I wasn't sure how many people, again, you would convince, Hey, download this app. So that way our commercials will be more effective. Yeah. A lot of the future of this is really based on, on how much crowd Crowdsourcing, we we managed to get into it because, yeah. uh, like like one app that I read about, um, that I think is still in development, um, was something by by a company called CrowdOptic that 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 lets you, if you if you hold up your phone, your phone can this this app can tell you what direction a bunch of people are holding their phones in in the near vicinity. And and then it can go in if they also have this app and let you look at what pictures and video those people are taking with their phones. So it's stuff that people have opted in in this right. service. So it's not like Hopefully. not like not like I just whip my phone out so I could take a picture of this special moment that's happening oh. that's that's good for my life and then realize that oh everyone around me also no. saw that special no. moment. Oh, I see like it's when like Godzilla attacks and there are people a couple blocks over getting video and you yeah. don't want to get that close you can you can, you can sponge off of what they're right. doing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well meanwhile you're saying or at a I've concert s- or um you know in in another less Godzilla y situation. Maybe okay. maybe Mothra Kind of Maybe you're right, outside the Russian Gamera. village yeah. where the comet is flying overhead. Yeah, <laughs> uh, or I guess I should say meteorite. But well, I wanted to follow up on your 3DS thing, um, Nintendo 3DS, yep. with uh, a, a cool kind of future vision. Uh, and I, I suppose we should talk about what are some of the future applications of augmented reality that sure. aren't quite there yet. Um, so. I saw a video the other day that was uh it was linked on Kotaku and it was called a Future Retro Mario 3D World. Yeah, I saw that. That was great. Yeah, and so it wasn't a real augmented reality app. It was just a video it was edited just an art together. Piece. Yeah, yeah kind um, of like almost almost like a concept. Uh but what it was, it, it was sort of like it showed what an augmented reality app might do in the future, which was it had a little Mario sprite scurrying over like your chairs and, and yeah. your grill. So and in, in theory, like with something like that, if you could make it work, you could design your own real world Mario level by stacking cardboard boxes or whatever, getting cans of food out and then play the game and try and get Mario to actually uh, navigate through this this obstacle course you've created. Yeah. And there's really when I think about it, when you think about what's already been done with the connect and stuff mm-hmm. like that. 
there's really no reason I can see why that shouldn't be doable to have, say, a, a Mario sprite or whatever kind of protagonist sprite and then maybe even enemy sprites and power-ups and stuff like that appearing overlaid on a landscape that's real 3D objects. Now, the main things you'd need to conquer, I think, is you'd need a very good, accurate perception of depth with the cameras. Which right. is um, why the connect thing would work so well. You'd have to have multiple yeah, camera views. Yeah. Combine um or or infrared sensing or something like that. Right. Um yeah. it also need to be to need to be able to tell shadows from solids, basically. Right. 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 So in other words, you wouldn't have a problem where suddenly you can't get across part of this because you've got this this wall that stretches all the way to the ceiling and it's because the floor lamp has got a shadow cast right yeah. there. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that'd be really fun, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you could like run Mario over your dog or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I guess that seems fun. I don't know. I've, I've been breeding. I'd have to try it to find out how fun it is. I've been know. breeding pet turtles just for this purpose. Oh no! Like, yeah, I just going to sacrifice them. Well, I don't know what's going to happen yet. We haven't built it. Uh, I was going to mention there is another semi-augmented reality game that exists right now that I think could really benefit from a full augmented reality treatment and that's ingress which is a google based game now as it stands right now the way it works is that you load the game up on your smartphone and it gives you like a map view just like it would be a google maps view kind of thing Uh, but there are points on the map that correspond to the game world uh, and in the real world they correspond with things that are of cultural or artistic significance so for example there is a mural that's painted on uh, uh, underneath a bridge near where I live, and uh-huh. that's one of the spots. Yeah. But uh, any like if it's a museum or an old theater or whatever, those pop up on the the game, but they're different from like in the game. They're just points of of importance where it's kind of like capture the flag. You have to go to this section and uh, secure it for your team. Mm-hmm. Now, right now, it's ma- played on your smartphone where you look at the little map and you go and you pl- push some little buttons and hopefully you end up capturing that point for your team. And that's about it. But in the future, I could see this where if you had some sort of augmented reality glasses like Google Glass, mm-hmm. you might be able to see an overlay of these these virtual points that are coinciding with the actual real culturally significant areas uh, that are in your in your town or wherever you happen to be. I think that would be really cool because then you could experience both worlds at the same time. Right now, it feels like two separate experiences. And if you're really just interested in the game, you're mostly just running around looking at your position on a map. Right. Yeah. You're Uh not really looking at the world around you. But if you were to able if you were able to, to translate this to some sort of Google Glass type of experience, you could then have the real world experience on top of that. And that's where I think augmented reality really is interesting it's when you have this moment where you can appreciate what how amazing our real world is by getting more information about it than you would have just from looking yeah right Mm -hmm. uh yeah i wanted to talk about at least a couple of augmented reality futures that i've written about in previous forward thinking episodes Uh, one of them was just uh augmented reality for social media which is interesting because you, you went with it from a different perspective than the way I think of it when I hear that phrase. Explain what <laughs> you mean. By uh, okay. Well, what I meant is right now you can say, look at your Facebook news feed mm-hmm. and that's full of items that have been, um, annotated with data by your friends. So they've attached a like to it 
and now say this article from some website or whatever has their like, right. and you can see that, or it has their comment on it, or they can share it with their friends. Right. Imagine instead of articles from various websites or images or whatever, you're doing this with objects in the real world. So you have your social network and you walk through the real world and you can see all the data points that your friends or even strangers have left on these objects. So a business or a storefront or, uh, you know, or a, a geographic location or a landmark, a public landmark, a site uh-huh. of interest, or even I thought about like sitting down in a restaurant and looking at a menu. Wouldn't that be cool if you could see what your friends had liked on that menu? Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Go like try the scallops kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So that's a really interesting uh, idea. The idea that you have an annotated world around you that you can kind of see what your friends liked and didn't like, um, especially when you start comparing your own tastes against your friends. And maybe you're going completely against what they said. Like, or well, he hated this, so I'm going <laughs> to love it. Or just, you know, how, how cool is that for, for going places? Like if you're going to New York City where a lot of movies have been filmed and for example, you, you're kind of trying to find, you know, like, like where's that firehouse where they filmed Ghostbusters yeah. or et cetera? Where, where, where in Central Park was that one scene in the Fisher King shot? Mm-hmm. I was there when they showed it so I could actually take you there, but that's okay. Or say, um, what if you are visiting a city where you have a friend who lives? Um, but you, you know, maybe your friend is busy and they're not around to show you around. You could still see all of the places in town they where go, they've they left like. a comment yeah. and like. Sure. Now, when I thought of the social, uh, the, the social media use of augmented reality, my mind went the other way around where I thought of the potential. And this is something we've seen in science fiction as well, where you're able to wear some sort of augmented reality headwear, or you know, I guess you could use your smartphone, but it would be a little less uh, um, discreet and, <laughs> and look at the people around you and see things like maybe you could see their Twitter feed and you could read up on what, you know, assuming that they have a public Twitter feed, you could read some of the tweets they've been posting. See how many friends they have or, floating above their or head. Or even just see what kind of, what kind of person they are online. Like what sort of persona do they project when they're online? Or sure. maybe even if you have certain kinds of apps, See if people have left comments about that specific person. So if you <laughs> are looking at a, a person and, and uh, the messages just keep popping up like heartbreaker, player, jerk face, <laughs> you're like, you know what? Gonna give this guy a, a I'm just, I'm just not gonna chat with this person. Wide berth, yeah. 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 So, um, anyway, uh, that would explain why people avoid me, but we don't have that augmented reality yet. So I really, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, the other one I thought of, uh, I sort of, I mentioned in our episode about the future of travel, um, and it seems sort of related to something you talked about, Lauren, which was like, uh, going through a city and having like, here's what this building used to look like. I assume mm-hmm. that that though is more of kind of a data link, like, here's a photograph. Right. Um, the idea I had was, well, what if, say, you visit an archaeological site, like the ruins of a temple complex or something like that or, in, in or, Egypt? Or, or, or anywhere in Rome. Yeah, uh, <laughs> in, anywhere that, that used to look different. Well, wouldn't it be cool if you could walk through the real physical environment, but you've got your smart glasses on, and they're overlaying a virtual completion 
of those ruins that shows you the, what they would have looked like in what the past. What it would have felt like yeah. to have walked through this place when it was when it was a full right. Right. So you say you've got the ruins of a temple that are just some columns. Well, reaching up from those columns would suddenly be the rest of the columns, the entire building to scale from your uh-huh. point of view. The, the the plant life that they've done paintings of that they know that they know existed yeah. there. Yeah. Or, or even the population, right? There's right. no reason you couldn't have like virtual sprites of human beings mm-hmm. dressed as they would have been doing what they would have been doing as as far as we know moving around within the environment you know may- maybe either actors that they filmed previously or, or right or digital representations sure yeah it would all i mean there are a lot of different possibilities there i think about the potential for doing something like uh, visiting uh the site of an old battlefield and being yeah. able to actually Ooh. see how that played out because yeah like where the armies oh, were that's positioned that's the thing i never want to do like it's, wow you I mean, just it, hit on one that i you, don't want when at you all. think about <laughs> it yeah it's it, it would be really, I mean, it'd be a really impactful experience in many different ways. What the reason why I think about that is that when you read history and you're reading the stories about the various conflicts that have happened throughout history, you really don't get a sense of what was what was it really like. It, the it, scale certainly not yeah. the yeah. You don't get the scale. The human factor is almost always completely ignored. It's usually very dry facts, even if it's written well. It, often is just giving you kind of this huge bird's eye view. And it would be interesting to see that, you know, it's it's easy to tell a story in, in you know, hindsight of how this general was brilliant because they made this maneuver. But in reality, any of these kind of situations tend to be far more messy, complicated, chaotic than any book would necessarily let you know. And being able to see it and experience it may give you a deeper appreciation of actual historical moments. And it wouldn't necessarily have to just be battles. That's the one I think about because, uh, you know, there are a lot of different sites in the United States, particularly in the, the, the area that we're in, the eastern side of the United States, where there are a lot of Civil War markers. And mm-hmm. I always think about that. I think, you know, you hear the stories and you see maybe the reenactments or whatever, but it still doesn't give you a full appreciation for the terrible things that happen. And while I don't want to dwell on those things, I think <laughs> yeah. they are important to understand. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, just to get a sense of what it was like to be on the ground. We, we usually think of historical events sort of like with a bird's eye view. Oh, like yeah. a risk you know? map, yeah. 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 Um, but, but to, to get the feeling of like, oh, what would it look like if you're standing on the ground here and, and seeing you had these, this horde these of, things in right, scale? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Coming towards you. What would it be like if you were not only standing there and you had all these people around you on various sides, but you were able to actually see who those people were? Now there, <laughs> now that's heavy. <laughs> oh, but, sure. but it would be amazing. I mean, you sit there and think like, wow, that'd be like, living that Burns documentary on the Civil yeah, War. Yeah. You know? And, you know, and it's it's also, I mean, this is all really terrific um, uh, historical and educational kind of stuff, but, you know, we can also, with augmented reality, for example, there there was a bunch of buzz last year about the development of um, airplane pilot visors mm-hmm. that would let, uh, let a pilot sitting in the cockpit look down and see the 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 airstrip below him or her oh, or, right, right. or or look around and be able to see um you know how far away that storm front is in the distance right. and what speed it's moving at I, I don't know how many of our listeners have been in a cockpit but the visibility there the actual visibility through the windows is really limited i mean yeah. you, you've got a lot of instrumentation around you and you rely on it heavily but being able to not have to depend on glancing down and looking at that instrumentation having it be plastered on your vision would be terrific yeah 
Yeah, exactly. And beyond the usefulness and the educational aspects, there's still plenty of ways to use augmented reality that are purely for entertainment purposes. I mean, think of all the different style games there are that you could play with folks uh, if they were all using the same sort of app, like something along the lines of Ingress. Let's say that we wanted to play a game uh, where one person is playing kind of a... I don't know if you guys have ever played any of those games where you've got... Everyone's playing it. They're, they're all assassins and you have a specific target you're supposed yeah, to go after. Uh-huh. Well, with augmented reality, you could in, end up making a game like that way more fun with crazy effects. And it would be really neat. Yeah, ra- rather than distributing little bottles of, for example, food coloring to, to have people drop in other people's drinks for right. poison. Then. Right. Yeah, you could do a lot of different little things that could be you know, potentially uh, hilarious and entertaining. But uh, there are a lot of different <laughs> options for that sort of stuff when it comes to gaming. And, and I mean, I think that the, the game applications for augmented reality are going to go a long way to enabling other more educational and informative uh, applications. Same sort of thing with virtual sure. reality, where they ended up appropriating a lot of the technology that was designed for video games. Because if... The, those markets existed and they drove prices down, then this other industry could end up using that same technology for a totally different purpose. Yeah, these kind of simple, I mean, for, forgive me, game designers of augmented reality stuff, what you're doing is not simple, but these sort of relatively proof of concept sort of games can absolutely lead to, I mean, you know, the, again, kind of kitschy but useful IKEA application of being able to, you know, hold up your smartphone to your apartment and and drop in a couch. Right. And see what that would look like there. That'd be, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, that's a very good example. Th- these are things that, you know, we're going to be taking for granted in another decade, right? This is the kind of stuff that's already finding its way into our personal, uh, electronic devices right now. And within a decade, we're going to be like, I don't remember what it was like to have to go into a store and just hope that what the thing I was looking <laughs> at was going to fit in my decor. Yeah. Now we're going to be able to do that. All the time without ever leaving our home. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to me. And I love all the different ideas. Like, you know, I love learning. So anything that has augmented reality where it gives me the opportunity to get more information about the world around me, I think is phenomenal. I would love to be able to go to a location I've never been in and have the option to turn this on and off so that I could, one, experience it in first person exactly the way I would without any augmented reality at all, but also benefit whenever I wanted to from the extra information if I wanted to know you know, how long has that been here? What was the cultural significance of this statue that I'm looking at? Maybe it's maybe there's a plaque there, but it's written in a yeah. language I don't understand. It would be really helpful to have that kind of stuff. And I think, uh, you know, anytime we talk about this, I just think of all those different possible applications. And I love the idea of having like a truly uber augmented reality application where you can even choose what sort of information is coming to you. Maybe it's maybe you're only interested in navigating through the modern city and you just want to know where the best coffee shop is in your area. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you want to go on a cultural visit and you want to see the places that have cultural significance. Or maybe you're stalking a celebrity and you just got to know <laughs> where they are going. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it sounds like the kind of rabbit holes that you can fall through on Wikipedia. Yeah. Or on other parts of the internet and, and come up like two hours later kind of going like, oh, I'm, my back is stiff. I yeah. guess I haven't blinked in In this an case, hour. it'll be like, I don't know where I am anymore because <laughs> I'm four miles from where I started. 
But how? But no, how cool is that? No, I mean, it's pretty and, awesome. And you've got GPS to lead you back where you need right. to go. Well, I think the coolest thing about it is that it could help you know the things you didn't even know were available to be known yeah. about the world around you. Your your physical environment is full of secrets that you don't even know you need to discover. Yeah, you know, right. And and sharing that level of specialization that usually only a, an expert in that field could give you, being able to walk around with the collected experts of the world in yeah. your ear. Yeah, no, no, it's it's. Absolutely mind-blowingly phenomenal. And I, I, I'm so happy that we are able to see the beginning of that, that fun, that era really. I mean, it's, it's in, I'd say going into full swing now, but we'll definitely see maturation over the next few years where we're going to, uh, people are going to come up with applications for this that haven't even at all occurred to any of us. And we're going to say, oh, of course that makes perfect sense now. I didn't think of it before. And then we're just going to be completely blown away by the results. It's going to be amazing. I cannot wait. I love this stuff. Uh, then again, I'm also one of the owners of Google Glass. So <laughs> I guess that's not to be surprised. Um, although we should say Google Glass obviously is not really augmented reality glasses yet. The closest is the maps function that's on there. And there are a couple of apps that people have been working on but aren't official Google Glass apps, but the there's certainly I, I would argue a a tool that will be taking full advantage of augmented reality in the near future. An important step, yeah. yeah. And we're seeing plenty of other competing technologies uh, come to market soon. So awesome stuff. Well, let's wrap up this discussion, guys. If you have enjoyed this, make sure you go and visit fwthinking.com. That's our home base where we have all our videos and blog posts and podcasts. You can explore lots of stuff that we talk about, uh, and it's uh, we're having a blast writing for it and, and, and doing the podcasts and videos for it, so go check that out. Also, remember, you can interact with us. We are on various social media, including Google+, Twitter, and the Facebook. You can find us with the handle FWThinking, and we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.